0: what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of in the trenches here on the post gazette sports now podcast uh, channel and youtube channel i am noah hiles and joining me as always are jake cradle and gavin bartholomew and this week our special guest pit running back a guy who's been filling in the captain spot Sibo flemister on the show fellas happy to have you all on obviously not an ideal outcome last weekend in wake forest which we're going to talk about uh, but first Jake Gavin, you know, I'll let you have a second to welcome our guest to the show, real quick.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great to have Sibo. You know, that has been a guy that's been kind of carrying the workload on offense, and you know, getting some carries and just kind of being a, a captain for us. You know, a guy that's stepped up into a, a role to lead this team and lead this offense. You know, and it's just it's great to have a guy come in, transfer in, and really fit in with this program and the values and the the four pillars. You know, we carry ourselves on. Just a guy that. You know, I I sit beside the team, the team meeting room every day, and you know, truly really blessed to have a guy like this on the show.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's keeps the uh, offense in order in line. Uh, you know, he keeps us working every day, and always brings a good mentality to practice every day.
0: All right, so we're gonna get into a recap of last week's loss to Wake Forest, but before we do, we need to talk about some of our presenting sponsors. I'll take this first one. It goes. Uh, it is the Great Yinzer Tailgate. It's bringing its best of the bird to South Point on November 4th, showcasing Pittsburgh's rich culture, iconic sports history, and vibrant community spirit. Great Yinser Tailgate will immerse you in a unique blend of traditions that make Pittsburgh legendary. Visit www.thegreatyinzertailgate.com for details. We'll see Yins there. So, guys, lost to Wake Forest. I personally, I thought that was probably the best the offense looked this season, aside from... The lack of scoring, obviously. Uh, but I, I want to just talk about, you know, how you guys felt Christian looked. Um, I thought he was really good on third down. Just how things felt. And we'll just go around in a circle here. We'll start with Sebo. Sebo, what did you like from the offense in, in that loss? We'll get to the negative stuff later. We'll start with the positive. What did you like from Saturday's offensive display?
3: Um. I think one of the things that stood out to me were the explosives. I think we had more explosives last game than we've had all season. Um, also, yeah, like you said, Christian looked really good. I think he he brings a certain intensity to the game, a certain uh, I don't know swagger, and he kind of took over a little bit. And I think he really had one of his best outings. You know, that being said, we didn't come away with the win, but I think. We're only going up from here. I think it's going to add to that this week. And that being said, two. I um, just our receivers. I think they got going. Bub got going. take got going a little later. But yeah, I think we messed pretty well as a receiving as a receiving group as a team as offense. No, Asking.
0: And Jake, to add on to what he's going to say, I mean, obviously your first trip back onto the field in a while, good to see you back out there, but what'd you, what'd you see from yourself out there? How nice was it to be out there? And then what did you like from the offense as a whole?
1: You know, it was, it was great to be back out there. I mean, it's, you know, sitting there for, you know, three weeks and just watching, you know, us go out there and play and not be able to really, you know, be out there with my brothers kind of hurt, but, uh, you know, getting out there and getting my legs under me, and you know, really playing, getting the groove of things was just—it was just great to be back there. I mean, like you said, we, we had some success, but we—you know—ultimately want to win the game, and that's where I think uh, that's where you look. You look in the mirror, like, what? What more can I do? Like, what can I do to, you know, make sure we execute on third down, third and short? But um, but yeah, like you said, kind of about see our uh, Christian. I mean, Christian had a heck of a day. I mean, over three hundred yards. You know, he ran the ball officially when he when he was doing the, you know, read options and stuff. But, I mean, it was, it was just great to see him, like, like you said, play with that swagger on third down. I mean, that's, that's something I felt like we were missing. We never, we never really – the previous six games, we never really converted on third down. So, I mean, having him out there making big plays was huge for our, for our success.
0: And, Gavin, I mean, just can you talk a little bit more about the passing? Something that's yeah. kind of been a struggle, but a 300-yard day through the year for your quarterback – a receiver eclipsed the century, Mark. I mean, it, it felt like the passing attack was really going.
2: Yeah, I mean, going into the game, we knew we wanted to throw the ball. Um, and that's what Christian's comfortable with. And I felt like he put that on display. And as the game kind of went on, I mean, the first drive was great. I mean, we marched right down. But, um, I mean, we found ourselves not moving the ball a little bit. And then, you know, he starts airing it out a little bit and getting comfortable. And, I mean, that's the type of offense we are. And, uh, I mean, that's what we can do when we're moving the ball efficiently. And then we open up the run game for Sebo and Rodney and stuff like that. But, I mean, I mean, we had no turnovers, which is nice, besides the turnover on downs. And, um, I mean, the O-line did a great job protecting the quarterback. Zero sacks. So, shout out to them. Um, but, yeah.
0: So, when we look at the box score here, 300 yards passing, 400-plus yards of total offense, Sibo rushed for over 100, Bub caught for over 100. How in the world did you guys only score 17 points? I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of hard to explain – when you look at all those numbers, you would think that that's a thirty-point outing. You know what do you think went wrong that prevented you guys from not being able to kind of finish drives. We'll start with Gavin and then work our way around.
2: I mean, really, what it comes down to all year is execution. I mean, I feel like we catch our times, uh, catch ourselves so often, like we're one person away from doing their job to break You know, like a long touchdown or. You know something that should be easily be done, but um, you know it just takes one guy to mess up their job or not do it right, and then um, you know it just seems like that kind of keeps repeating. And uh, I feel like once we get all eleven on track, I think uh, everything's gonna start clicking.
1: Yeah, to, to piggyback off that, I think uh, the biggest the biggest stat that's not on there is I think in short yardage, like in third and one or you know third and third and three. I mean, we I think we were zero for six. You know. And that's where, as linemen, we have to make our hay. We have to we have to find a, find a way to get that yard, you know. We have to execute those blocks to let Seabo and Ronnie hit the hole and get a yard or two. And that's where I think we – it is, doesn't show up in the stack home. That's where we we messed up up front, you know. I think we uh, we had nine negative plays, rush plays with no sacks. I mean, having no sacks is great, but when you have nine negative rushes, that falls on our shoulders up front. You know, that's where we're missing one block here one block there. And that really, that really stops a drive. That kills a drive. You know, when you start in our offense, you can't be on the sticks. I mean, you just, you want to stay ahead of the sticks, you know, you'll stay in, you know, second, seven, second, second, and six, give yourself a chance. But uh, that's where I think it went wrong. But other than that, I mean, like you said, third down, when we were third and long, we were making plays, but third and shorts where we have to really make our hay.
0: Sebo, anything to add?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh... You know i think a lot of it does go to what they said but especially execution um like we said you look back at the film and you see there's one person here or just something that happened uh, even pre-snap penalties that mm-hmm. keep us from having success we could have had and then you look at the stats you, you look at 300 yard pass or the 100 yard rush or 100 yard receiver but that doesn't even tell the whole story when you look at when we look back at film and we're kicking ourselves Because, I mean, it could have been a 150-yard rusher. It could have been a 400-yard passer. But, like, you know, that's just being extremely critical. But that's also just being uh, real. We Like, pre snap penalties, I think we were uh, coming out one time and we get a false start and now we're backed up. Like, uh, staying on schedule is everything with the offense. For offense to click, for offense to just flow well and and have that chemistry, you have to stay on schedule. So when you're getting those – Things like that, pre stop penalties or missing this block and having a negative play on the first down, it really just, it really does, um, you know, hinder you and hinder your success. And, you know, we have to uh, thank the defense for a lot of reason why our stats look so well, because they gave us the ball back a lot. So we had a lot of opportunities. We just didn't uh, put the, we didn't finish drives as well as we should have.
0: All right. So, guys, this year there's been a lot of, weeks that will be remembered for a couple of short phrases you know we had boo city we had the blue vase game um but just recently i mean this game will be remembered for the slide and i mean personally i think it's kind of ironic that it came against an opponent where you know a a slide was pretty famous in pitts favor a couple years ago i know that's not going to get any smiles out of you guys uh but you know can we just talk about, you know, the reaction to that slide, what it's like in a locker room after you're on the, probably the wrong end of a close call and, and how you guys kind of, I don't know, digest what, what happened on the field there.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh it's devastating. knowing you're that close to a win. I mean, you're that, you're a yard away from a win. I mean, if, you know, it's not Christian's fault at all. I mean, it's, like I said, it should never come down to one play. It should never come down to – that game should never came down to the fourth quarter. We should have, you know, really put the stake in the third quarter and ran away with it, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, it sucks that, you know, we're on the opposite end of that, where, you know, Kenny, Kenny had the fake slide in uh, the championship game that kind of sealed the deal for that. And then it comes full circle around and, you know, Christian just starts to slide a, a yard too soon, you know. Where on the field it looks like he – he was past the line of scrimmage, but once I guess you start freezing and stuff, you start seeing you slow down. And I guess that's the rule. I mean, like I guess coach do said something in his press conference this week that they should revisit. And I definitely agree with that. I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, you're closing up the game. You're the guy's trying to stay in balance. Like it should be where his knee goes down truthfully. You know what I mean? Like, but if he, you know, starts getting himself up, but doesn't go down, then that's where it should be in, the rule should be imposed like, all right, he's down. But, I mean, everyone knows the situation. And, honestly, he did what he was coached to do. You know what I mean? And that's what I think we teach uh, in the four-minute drill. Like, hey, stay in balance. Like, let's let's get the first down and slide, you know. So, I mean, can't blame him. Blame him but, I mean, we just got to move past that and, you know, have a great week this week.
0: And to build off of, like, you know, that rule and how it's enforced, I was just thinking about it. Rather than putting a referee in a spot, where they have to kind of make a judgment call as to when a slide starts. Why not just penalize the ball carrier if they try to do a fake slide again? Like, if you want to outlaw the fake slide, and if someone does it, penalize them. That way, you're not putting defensive players at risk of trying to tackle a guy too late or too early who's trying to slide, and you're not putting refs in this spot. I just felt like that was kind of the sport overthinking itself, and that was a product of it
1: definitely no, that's, a, that's a great idea
0: so we'll wrap up this portion of the show i'm sure we don't want to talk no one on the screen wants to talk about a slide or a wake forest loss anymore we'll move on to the interview portion of the show before we do jake who's this interview brought to us by
1: uh in the huddle was brought to you by the one place in pittsburgh where you can caffeine and create brushes and beans cafe in murray'sville at brushes and beans cafe you can enjoy a delicious latte, cappuccino, cold brew, and much more while relaxing and creating your very own masterpiece. For more information, visit our website at www.brushesandbeanscafe.com or give them a call at 724-610-3782. All
0: right. It is time for the interview portion of the show. We'll move Sibo to the big screen. Sibo's on the hot seat. He's getting the hard-hitting questions asked to him by his teammates. I'll let you guys take it away.
1: Siva, what's so how how you feel going back South Bend where you uh, where you started your college career and had uh, had success there in your four years there? Um,
3: you know it, it's definitely a full circle moment for me. Um, you know I, I never thought I'd be on the other side, you know, being at a uh, visitors locker room, but I mean here I am now. But as far as how I feel, man, you know, it's exciting to be able to go back and be in front of that crowd again. Um, I've gotten a lot of, you know, uh, messages from alumni and, you know, a lot of old teammates and former teammates just about the game. And, I mean, like I said, it's exciting. It definitely gives you that extra – I wouldn't say extra motivation because, of course, I prepare for every game the exact same – But, you know, it definitely is in the back of my mind that I definitely want to have a good game and uh, perform well in front of everyone. But it's just going to it's going to be great to see everyone again. It's going to be great to be back uh, on campus and back into that stadium and in that atmosphere. Uh, So, like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to it and I can't wait.
2: That's awesome. 100 percent. So coming from Notre Dame, how did you end up at Pitt? Like, what was your recruiting process like? How dudes reach out? You know, how did all that go? So, yeah, um,
3: that whole last – because I was at – uh, I was still at Notre Dame finishing up my degree for the last spring until I came here. I actually didn't put my portal uh, – name it to the portal until the, like, very last day. And, you know, some schools came, and I kind of let it die down because it all came at once. It was a lot going on and after that you know i I got a few schools that you know i I thought i was going to take serious you know this time around it's not like high school you know i'm not all about the glitz and glams it was at this point a business decision for me and uh so I, i mean i had been in contact with a couple other schools that i was you know taking seriously taking visits but i mean the first person to really reach out to me was coach powell and talking to him was good you know, we had that connection, just him being from the South. I could hear it in his voice before I ever even met him. So I, yeah. I knew where he was from, and I think just having that connection definitely helped me out a little bit. And just knowing his history and some of the backs that he's coached. And then, like, when I got here on campus, like, I really didn't hang out with anyone. I, I didn't really do anything to go out. But sitting, uh, out, I came to watch practice, and I, I liked the way the, uh, the practice was set up, and I liked the intensity that everything that everyone brought. And then just going back into the room and talking with Coach, um, Coach Narduzzi. That's when I um, really started to lean more towards here. And like, I mean, he'll tell you I actually did like, basically, you know, verbally commit to another school. And then I kind of came back to Pitt, and then I kind of went back to another school again. And <laughs> then I finally <laughs> just said, like, something. Something he said. Something he said really resonated with me was, uh, like, "Would you rather make plays there or make plays here at Pitt?" So um that really resonated with me and uh st- stuck with me but also just the fact that one of the things that I really stressed was being around uh like-minded players uh, players that I thought were performed like pros and acted like pros because of uh, of course that's where I want to be and not mm-hmm. to mention the privilege of being next to the Steelers at all times so just being able to see them and you know um that aspect of it too that that definitely had a lot to do with my decision.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Now, uh, so you you've played. Have, how many games have, have you played in? Two of these, I guess, rivalry series. Now, because we played you as an eighteen, and then I think in twenty twenty, did you play in those two games?
3: Yeah, I played here twenty twenty during the COVID season. I actually, scored a touchdown.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I was. Yeah, I had.
3: Uh, I finished out. I finished out the game. We had a like an eight minute, four minute drive. We the last eight minutes of the game, we held the ball so. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I think I came simply... off the field
1: and puked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that usually doesn't get done against uh, our defense, you know, because we're we're very stingy at the run. But I, I definitely do remember that. It's, that's crazy. It's, that was, you know, Actually, a, Hopefully... funny,
3: a funny story. Look, a funny story about that, though, is, you know, the uh, the scoreboard, you know, the scoreboard doesn't always start the whole story. Mm-hmm. So, but I'll tell you this. On the plane, we get to the plane, and I just remember a lot of us just going talking about how sore we were and like how beat up we were. One thing about that pit defense was it was it was definitely one of the most physical defenses we played all year. And we really won off of explosive plays. It was really four explosive plays. It wasn't like it was we were running the ball the whole game. I think I only had maybe 45 yards. But um one thing we knew about this defense was they rallied to the ball. Everyone flew to the ball and they were coming to hit. They were coming with, you know, bad intentions every time. So you definitely got that from playing Pitt.
1: 100 yeah, percent That's that's kind of like that's what looking back on the game. We I mean not the excuse at all, because some of the excuse that, but we didn't have Kenny and we threw four picks that game. I mean, we were just handing the ball to your your yeah. guys' offense. But um hopefully Wasn't that we're
2: the, on the
1: exactly. the better. Was side that the of game that, Joey
2: uh, started? That was, yeah. Yeah, that was the game Joey started. Yeah, that's crazy. Joey Young. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. Um, so then uh, playing high school in Georgia, um, what was that like, you know, playing high school ball there? Because, I mean, I'm from PA. I mean, PA ball is nothing crazy compared to Georgia. You know,
3: uh, one thing I always say about Georgia is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of other places, they have, like, you know, private leagues and things like that where teams are really good. But in Georgia, I mean, public ball from 1-8 all the way up to 7-8, that, those guys compete with anybody in the nation. um i mean you got a, you got a lot of guys that that are big time guys nowadays that come from really small schools like i did but um me personally you know i played while i was in high school i played in regions 3a 4a back down to 3a and like i said the, the competition was really good you know i got to play against some really good players and you know some guys that are in the nfl right now but I think you definitely get that uh, just from my area specifically, because I'm, I'm outside of the metro Atlanta area, so it's a little bit different than uh, that area, which has, produces a lot of football players. I mean, I think Gwinnett County may produce most NFL players in, in the nation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, just my areas, it's that real Friday night lights type of vibe. Like, football yeah. is the county, football is it. Like. Um, Everybody comes to the game on Fridays. Everybody really kind of—I mean, you, you play well on uh, Friday. Everyone knows about it, so I think yeah. we really got that real small small town Friday night lights feel. Definitely,
2: that's the best.
0: All right, so uh, I got one final question for Sibo, and before we start our game, and it is as simple as Sibo: like, where does your name come from? You don't—I don't meet. A lot of people named Sibo. C- I actually think you're the only person I've ever met named Sibo. C- uh, is there a story behind your first name?
3: You know what? I, I'm still not 100% sure where my name actually come, came from. I know my, my dad's nickname is Sibo. C- um, and I'm, I, I am kind sure of sure the fact that someone gave him that nickname, but I'm not really sure why they gave him that nickname. Since his name is Ronnie Cornelius uh, Flemister, so there's there's really Got no Sibo anywhere in that, so I, I have to check back with him and get back to you on that. But so uh, is, that, funny is that your story, birth My name is supposed to be my 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 birth name is Saborius, right? Saborius Quran Flemister. So the the Ronnie part they put in my middle name is K A R O N Karan. Like you know, my parents are young, so I don't know what
2: they were thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's still a really cool name. Yeah. I mean, either way, Sebo <laughs> and your birthday. I mean, those are both. Yeah, I, I get that a lot. A lot the, yeah, a lot the, better than
3: Jake is look though The funniest thing about it, though, is Sebo uh, kind of embodies my football, my school personality, because, I mean, I'll go home. Everyone who's extremely that I grew up with and all my family, they call me both. Like, so Sebo is kind of what happened with football, and, in school I got that's why everyone calls me SIBO. and no one really calls me Suborius except for my mom like my girlfriend when you know I'm in trouble or something nice. <laughs>
0: I mean I I'll, I'll be honest like I remember when I first started covering pit last year I was looking down the roster I saw your name I was like what who is this guy I mean it's kind of – you ever get like the key and peel jokes at all that like like the senior bowl I'm, thing
3: so on, on Twitter I've been tagged in like uh NCAA all-name teams and stuff like that, but you know
1: how that
0: goes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, Sibo, the way this goes, after the interview portion of the show, we play a game. Uh, last week, Christian was our guest. We played Canadian trivia. Um, so, being that you're a former Notre Dame player, now at Pitt, we're going to do Pitt-Notre Dame trivia. And this goes off of – Okay. This is trivia-related to some recent contest uh, between Pitt and Notre Dame. Um I made a multiple choice just in case, you know, you're not super familiar with Pitt football history. Yeah. So uh, no need to write this down anymore, guys. I think we can just go around and you guys can all say your answer, A, B, or C. All right, so we'll start off here with Pitt's last trip to Notre Dame. It was in 2018. Jake, you were on the
1: freshman. team. Yes, yep. and
0: Sibo, you would have played in that game. You would have been on <laughs> Notre Dame at that point in time. So two, two people – uh, Playing this game, we're a part of this game. So, uh, this Panther returned to kick ninety-nine yards for a touchdown in that game to start the second half. Was it A. Jordan Addison, B. Maurice French, or C. Shockey Jock Louis? All right. So, A. Jordan Addison, B. Maurice French, C. Shockey Jock Louis. We'll start with Gavin. Your guess, Gavin.
2: I know. It, I'm gonna say. Um, what was what was B? That was Shocky, right? Yeah. I'm no, go
0: Shocky was C. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna go with B.
0: Maurice French.
2: Yeah. All right. Because I know. Yeah, I know it's either one of.
0: Sibo, your guess.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna go with B two. I'm I'm not sure <laughs> of the name, but I know someone was number two.
1: It was, it. it was definitely Frenchy.
0: Yeah. All right. It was Maurice French, 99 yards to open the second half. I remember watching that game. That was that was a huge return. That was, that was, huge, huge, that was crazy.
2: Times.
0: Yeah. So we'll move on now. Uh, <laughs> this this question takes place in 2010. This Pitt Panther caught uh, nine passes for 111 yards and a touchdown in Pitt's 2010 loss at Notre Dame. Was it A, Larry Fitzgerald, B, Devin Street, or C, John Baldwin? Again, this Pitt Panther caught for 111 yards and a touchdown on nine receptions. In Pitt's 2010 loss at Notre Dame, is it A, Larry Fitzgerald, B, Devin Street, or C, John Baldwin? We'll start with Jake this time.
1: It was uh, C.
0: C, John, John Baldwin.
1: Baldwin?
0: Yep. All right. Sebo, your guess? Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with C. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about John Baldwin, Sibo?
3: You know, I th- I think he uh had a really good game against uh, Notre Dame in uh,
1: 2010.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he might have, might have. Gavin? Uh, I'm probably gonna say C. It is C. It is Jonathan uh, Baldwin. Jonathan yeah, yeah. Baldwin,
1: second round pick. Can't first see. round pick. First round, yeah, City twenty Chief. twenty-five, right? uh the 26
0: 20 yeah somewhere in there yeah. aliquippa star
1: an Coach an absolute Al-
0: stud it's yes. always the aliquippa
1: guys yes. always yes. Yeah, it is.
0: yes he was he was a beast and i believe was also a top 100 basketball player in the country Damn. as well in high school oh, wow. he was he was the man so
3: all right Another coming name from Al Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Gavin disappeared. Hopefully he gets back here by the time this question's asked. All right. So this Pitt Panther quarterback started in Pitt's last road win over Notre Dame. Ooh. Was it A, Pat Bostic, B, Tino Sinceri, or C, Bill Stahl? Again, (laughs) Gavin just disappeared. Oh, there we go. I think we got it. There he is. He's back. Yeah. All right, Gavin.
2: Here we go.
0: You're good. You're good. So I'll repeat the question. This Pitt Panther quarterback was the last starting quarterback to beat Notre Dame in Notre Dame. Was it A, Pat Bostic, B, Tino Sinceri, or C, Bill Stahl? We'll start, Sibo. you can give the first answer here. Pat Bostick, Tina Censeri, or Bill Stahl?
2: I'm going to go with Pat. All right. I mean, yeah, yeah. My, I'm going to go Pat,
1: too. I mean, I got, I like Pat. 4 overtime time win, Pat Bostick.
0: You are correct. It is Pat Bostick. He got the start. Bill Stahl had a concussion, and Pat Bostick got the start. Four-overtime win, LaShawn McCoy had a big hand in it, ran for like 170 yards or something. I remember watching that game at a Texas roadhouse when I was in middle school. <laughs> 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 That's what's kind of cool about this rivalry, though, or just a lot of these games, just looking back, like I remember where I was. Like when, when Pitt plays Notre Dame, because it's been, I wrote about it today, the last six times Pitt's played at Notre Dame, it's been a one-score game. So, like, I, I remember, like, all of these were just really close, hard fought battles. And so, it's been a lot of fun to watch these matchups. All right. Question number four This Panther became the first quarterback to ever throw five touchdowns against Notre Dame. And I'm not talking in pit history, I'm talking in college football history. This pit quarterback became the first ever quarterback in the history of college football to throw for five touchdowns against Notre Dame. Was it A, Dan Marino, B, Kenny Pickett, or C Tyler Palko? Again, this pick quarterback was the first ever college football quarterback to throw for five touchdowns against Notre Dame. Was it A, Dan Marino, B, Kenny Pickett, C, Tyler Palko?
1: Still, Gavin. What you got?
0: Gavin, you are first.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna.
2: I think we watched uh wasn't he the one he the one Chad put up some video? I, I'm gonna go see. Tyler Palco? Yeah.
0: Okay. SIBO. Uh,
3: you know, I think I'm gonna have to go way back
0: with Dan. With Dan? I'm gonna go Marino. I, I will say SIBO, someone who's relatively still new to the program, those first two names are probably a bit more familiar. Uh, you know, than, than Tyler Palko. Yeah. Uh, so
1: yeah, it Jake? was uh, it was Palko. He had that that legendary uh, interview after.
0: Yes, where he is so effing proud of that football team. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped an f bomb on NBC on live television after the win. Yes, uh, that that's was, awesome. That was Pitt's first win at Notre Dame since I believe I want to say the seventies or eighties. So the it had 80s. been a long time. And uh, he out Brady Quinn in that game. Uh, mm. Awesome football game to watch in 2004. But yes, Tyler Palco, I highly recommend. Pull that on YouTube. Just look up Tyler Palco, Notre Dame press conference. He, he's getting interviewed on the sideline. This dude, he was like, I don't care if I throw for three yards. It's all about winning the game. I'm so effing proud of this team. And Pitt, <laughs> Pitt built off of that. They ended up going to the Fiesta Bowl that year. So big win for them. All right, final question. This is Final Jeopardy. Uh, so, real quick, uh, Jake and Gavin both have a perfect game right now. 40 points each. Uh, guys, oh. how, how many points would you like to wager real quick, Jake and Gavin? We're
1: going to wager them all. All
0: right. Jake's get, betting them all. I'm all in. I'm
1: all in. Gavin's all betting in. them all.
0: Sibo, oh, you yeah. have 30 points. Would you like to bet the whole bank as well?
3: Go big or go home. That's right. Right. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> so, All right. This Pitt Panther kicked a game-winning field goal in 2008 in fourth overtime to help Pitt secure its last win in South Bend. So Pitt's last win in South Bend was in 2008. We talked about Pat Bostic was the starting quarterback that game. It went to four overtimes. This guy kicked the game-winning field goal in overtime number four. Was it a Andy Lee, was it B. Connor Lee, or was it C. Chris Blewett? Again, yeah, A. Andy Lee, B. Connor Lee, C. Chris Blewett.
2: SIBO, C- I think you're up. Sebo, <laughs> C- you can go first. Wow.
0: You know, I'm gonna
3: go with Blewett. I'm gonna say he did not blow it. All right.
1: <laughs> go. Blewett. You're up, aren't you? Now? No, I, I know this. <laughs> I know this. I ain't giving it away. Um, <laughs> goddamn. Um, I'm I'll go B. um, I'll go B. i will go bi have no idea. It's uh, yeah, it's quarterly,
0: it is. So you're both correct.
1: <laughs> Jake and Gavin
0: tie.
2: <laughs> That's with a Show record
0: 80 points. It's
2: That's That's impressive.
3: Four
0: <laughs> yeah. <I mean>, SIBO, <laughs> I gotta tell you, man, normally Gavin gets like one question right. Yeah, you know,
2: he's not so lying. So yeah.
0: The only time he's won is when I cheated and I yeah. told him the answers ahead of time. So yeah, that was that was an impressive show. Not bad, guys. So yeah. all right, so we're gonna transition now to the third and final part of the show. Gavin, who is uh responsible, who's our presenting sponsor for that third and final part of our show.
2: This segment is sponsored by Rendine Consulting, helping companies, staff, integrate and optimize their technology systems. Call 412-965-5933 for your technology needs.
0: All right, guys. So the way this works, Sibo. first down, we do four downs here. First down, we do a headline reaction. Second down, say something nice. It's where we talk about the upcoming opponent, which in this case is Notre Dame. Uh, third down is practice player of the week where you guys give a little uh, shine to someone who practiced really well this week. And fourth down is key to victory, where you say a key to victory in five words or less for the upcoming opponent. So first down, headline reaction. This comes from the Washington Post. Michigan sign-stealing operation is a college football scandal to savor. So I'm not sure how closely you guys have been following this, uh, but the Michigan sign-stealing thing is the top story in the world of college football, if not the entire world of sports right now. Um, This guy, Connor Stallions, whatever his name is, uh, is quite the character. So I'll give you the spark notes on how this all worked. This guy was a part of their staff. He had been going to games of their upcoming opponents, which is illegal. You cannot attend in-person games uh, for teams ahead of, of your schedule. And he would sit there and videotape their signs right by their bench. And there's photos of this guy standing on the sideline next to the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, with printed sheets out of the hand signs, basically telling the coaches, calling the plays, hey, they're in cover four right now. They're going to be in cover four. Or I I noticed those hand signals like it's it's going to be a zone run or something like that uh, to better prepare them. And then today in sports illustrated uh, his master plan was revealed where this guy had the grand scheme that he planned in 15 years of being Michigan's head football coach. And there's a lot more to it than this. He had a 550 page manifesto in a Google doc. Uh, that was like his grand scheme plan on what he was going to do when he took over the program. It's a great read. I highly recommend Googling it and reading it is hilarious but I want to get your three thoughts on this whole fiasco as guys who play college football. And if probably, I don't know. I'm sure someone has tried to steal your signs before. So what are your guys' thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, no, that's a uh, very interesting. I, I didn't realize it was illegal to go to the games before uh, you played your opponent. But I guess, I guess in that case, that's, that is messed up and wrong. But um, truly, I think like, uh, people steal signs all the time. You know, I, I think that's a common theme in college football. It's like, hey, if they're going to give it to you and you can just look over there, why not take it, you know? So I guess, like, in that case, like, I understand that that's fine, but the recording of the sideline, that's that's probably where, you know, he probably took it too far and really, I guess, you know, took advantage of the system. But um, but I'll tell you, in 21, when we win the, the title game, you know, we didn't have signs. Like, we didn't have anything. Like, Coach Whip literally walked probably, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 feet on the field. If he could as far as he could go and met Kenny and just gave him the play. And Kenny would run back to the line and tell us or run in the huddle and tell us to play. So we didn't have any signs to be stolen. So I mean, it's definitely it's crazy to see that the poor opposites of, you know, both sides. Like when we didn't signal to when now people were stealing signals to I guess, you know, help benefit their their case. But uh it's a whole crazy story. I'm I'm excited to see what comes out of it and see if there's any um uh, you know punishment for him or the program. But I definitely gotta read that uh that 500 page uh, manifesto he put together. Cause that, that seems pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, like Jake said, I feel like it's pretty common in football now. I feel like, I mean, use it to your advantage. Um, I mean, but as far as like going to like games in advance and like recording, I mean, that's a little extreme. And I mean, as you said, it's illegal, but um, yeah, I mean, they do it all the time. I've had instances where, I mean, I'll be lined up for a play, and you know, the defense is calling out what I'm doing and I'm like, Shit, <laughs> I mean, yeah. They, I mean, they know. So, like, I mean, it definitely happens, and I mean, I've seen it. But, um, I mean, just yeah. I mean, use it if you can, I guess.
0: Sebo, anything to add?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean,
3: I, I guess. Yeah, I think they they did take it a little too far, maybe too extreme. But um, hey man, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, man. <laughs> but uh, like I said, I mean, I I like I said, like they said, uh, I think you, it is something that you see in college football is you know trying to get any advantage you can. As far as going to the stadiums, I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't really have too many worries. I guess it's, if it's wrong, it's wrong. So I'm I'm with them. If it's wrong, it's wrong. But. I mean, when I was my time at Indy, I know we did have times where maybe a GA had went, gone to another school that we were playing and, you know, there may, maybe was a fear that they got some of our signals or something like that. So, I mean, we had everything from, uh, I mean, two dummy signalers to, you know, boards with dummy numbers and, you know, anything you can to kind of combat that. That being said, again, I don't agree with, uh, you know, if it's illegal, it's illegal. So I guess abide by the rules, you know, have some integrity for the game. But like I said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, man.
0: <laughs> I also think, like, in a sport like football, you still got to stop it.
3: You know, yeah, exactly. like, there,
0: there's a lot yeah. of scenarios where it's like third and one. When you come out in a heavy package, it's like, I, I have a pretty good idea that they're going to be running the ball here. And it's yeah. like like the tush push, you know, by the Eagles. It's like everyone knows that play is coming. Mm-hmm. But no one can stop it. So, or like on a passing pattern, it's like you might know those route trees or whatever, but at the end of the day, like someone's going to be open. So, and like you're going to have to make a tackle or make a play on the ball. So, I don't know. I'm, I, I think they kind of took it a little far with this, and this guy kind of clearly sounds yeah. crazy. I also <laughs> got to give a shout out to Coach Whipple because coaches like that are 100% of the reason why I saw any playing time in high school. Our coach refused to do those types of signs. We had two sets of receivers. We had the first and third down receivers, and we had the second and fourth down receivers. And your boy was a second and fourth down receiver. My job was to stand right next to my head coach, to grab my face mask, tell me to play. And that was the biggest contribution I made to my team, was just running in there, (laughs) telling my quarterback to play, going in motion, completely away from everything else that was happening. (laughs) <laughs> but, I mean, he's got your boy a Letterman jacket, so we got the job done. So <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on now. The second down, uh, guys, say something nice about Notre Dame. We'll start with Jake and just go around the table.
1: Yeah, no, they're uh, they're definitely a fast, physical defense. I mean, they have a bunch of, uh, I guess, older guys. I mean, that uh, I played. I mean, twenty twenty, I played these same guys. You know, so uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. I mean. Great, great matchup for us and just excited really for the competition. I mean, these, this team's five and two right now, ranked high. I mean, good team. So definitely excited to see where we match up against them.
0: t Uh Man,
3: it's just going to be great Uh go back and, you know, compete, like Jake said, to compete against these guys. Um, one thing I, I know that we're going to see is a lot of physicality. I know they're gonna bring it, so I'm looking forward to that because you know, I, love, I love being physical, you know, lining up and you know, running into each other. I love that type of game. So I know we're gonna have a lot of that. And uh also I, I think it's gonna be a great atmosphere. And I think it's a great challenge for us as a team. And I think it's something that we we will be ready for. And uh that being said, yeah, it's it's uh I'm looking forward to the matchup. They're a great team, they're well coached. Uh, They play sound football, and they play well together. So I'm looking forward to, you know, going up against that.
2: Yeah. Gavin? Yeah, like Steve said, I mean, they're they're an aggressive uh, football team um, defensively. Um, Up front, they're big. They're fast. They move well. Um, You know, they got good tacklers in open space and, uh, you know, in the run game and stuff like that. So it'll definitely be a a fun game to watch. And, you know, I'm hoping the atmosphere is good. Um, First time up in South Bend, so.
0: All right, guys. Uh, practice player of the week, real quick. We'll go around. We'll start with Gavin. Uh, give your practice player of the week.
2: Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Terrence Moore. Um, you know, telling the O line and the hogs where they're going. Uh, he's doing a great job with his uh, IDs and calls, getting uh, everyone where they got to go. So I'll go with Terrence.
0: C-bell, your pick?
3: Uh, I'm gonna go with Kanate. You know. Um... I think, and I'll tell Jim generally has a good practice every week and every day, but I think this week we're going to see a lot of man, so he's going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities, and I think it'll make him pay a little bit, so I, I'll give him practice player of the
1: week. Yeah, I like uh, Kenny Johnson. I think uh, Kenny Johnson's guy has been really stepping up big for us, you know, he's I don't know where he's at on our death chart, but I know he's a guy that's been seeing more and more playing time, you know, kind of touched on last week. So I'm excited to see what he can do against Notre Dame and see, see him make some plays on open space.
0: All right, and to wrap up the show, keys to victory. We'll start with Jake and go around. Five words or less, how does Pitt upset Notre Dame?
1: No turnovers and execute.
0: All right, Sebo?
1: I'll go with...
3: Uh swing hard and swing often and swing early. Uh, you know. That's more um, than five we'll, words, but we'll swing let's do it. <laughs> wait. Swing hard often. Swing early, hard and often.
0: Swing early, hard, and often. Alright, yeah, we'll take Slowly, that. All I'm right. gonna go
2: with a, I'm gonna go with a different one. I'm gonna uh special teams production. I think uh, we could attack them Ooh. in uh, special teams this week. They got All some right. good players out there, but uh I mean their effort's a little questionable, so I think All we'll right. take advantage of that.
0: There we go. All right, guys, thanks for another really good show. To everyone listening or watching, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and keep tuning in to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network for all of your Pittsburgh sports coverage by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Take care.
2: Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.